Uh, we've been doing this series uh, on work. Uh, it's just called what, whatever you do. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And, and work tends to be this area of church, or, or this area that churches don't really talk about. Uh, it only kind of comes into play if you're talking to somebody about Jesus. But actually, you know, we looked at week one. God is a God who works. He creates. He plants. He, you know, forms from the dirt. He does all of these things in his work. And then he makes man. He makes people in his image. And people that bear his image, that reflect who he is, we work. And, and whatever we do, we want to worship God in our work. Uh, and that God uses us to love others, that he's actually work, uh, working through us at, at our jobs, or uh, even if we work at home, whatever it is, to be a blessing to others. And so we talked about that, how work is worship to God, to love him, to love others. Uh, last week, we talked about how work can reveal our idols, that we look to work for our identity or just for, for money as a way to just kind of get the stuff that we want. And then this week, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, and then next week, we'll hop back into the book of Acts. So if somebody came up to you, I'm sure they have probably this past week, and just say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's kind of like the typical answer? I mean, in Nebraska, it's not going to be bad because we're Nebraska nice. That's just kind of what we do. But, but let, me, let me just kind of think through what are the answers that you typically say? Hey, how are you? Maybe fine, good, okay, not bad. Then what's another popular answer that you, are, that you give or that other people give? Busy. How are you? Busy. There's lots going on. And, and, and you know, we, we might have this impulse to say, oh, yeah, it's good. But if we kind of stopped and paused and actually thought about the answer, hey, how are you doing? That answer would probably even be more popular. Well, I'm just busy. Um... I know that if somebody, like if I'm being honest, if somebody said, hey, how are you doing? I'd be like, tired. I just feel tired. I feel, I feel thin. I feel stressed out. Um, there's the, the, you know, we all have this feeling in us. I think a decent amount of time of, of we're anxious. We feel stressed. We feel overwhelmed. Teachers, you're definitely feeling that. And there's this thought, it was just like, when does it end? We just feel like we have to kind of keep going. We have to be the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going, and I just keep going, and that's what it is. And kind of below that answer is there's this kind of deeper question is, you know, how are you? But it's like, how is your soul? How is your heart doing? Really? And I think... A lot of the times, I mean, especially even over the past couple months, it's even been harder to answer that question. How would you describe your soul right now? And I think much of the answers that we would give <clears throat> is because of our relationship with work. Again, whether that's working out of the home when you get paid, you get paid a lot, or maybe that's working in the home where you work more and get paid less. You know, there, there's, this, there's these dynamics that we have for our jobs. You know, one of those is jobs are more insecure. Hey, if you're, not, if you're not cutting it, if you're not doing it, we'll just find somebody else that will do it. We're not sure if we're going to be able to hang on to them. There's this expectation, hey, if you're kind of at a certain level, there's this thought of, well, you're going to put in extra hours. 
It wasn't in your job description, but we just know it because you're that high up there. So you're going to be putting in more time, more work. Also, you feel pretty stressed because you are always accessible. You have your phone. You have your computer. And it goes with you wherever you're at. You could look at that email whenever you want. You could be at the dinner table and pow, somebody sends you a text and there's this feeling of, I better get to it. I better look at it. It's, the, uh, it, it, it's so-and-so. I, I need to, to see what it is. And this thought of what it used to be in this world of this kind of eight to five, nine to five job, that's just totally foreign to us. There's not that concept at all. Even more so now because of COVID, you don't even really go into the office. Your, your home is your office. Where you eat is your office. Where you hang with your family is your workplace. You kind of even really can't escape it at all. If you're a parent, I mean, that, that, then that's your, your job. That's your work. I mean, you, this has kind of like been your world all, all the time. I mean, you're always on, always accessible. Mom, mom, mom. Your dad's right there. Mom. That, that, that happened literally yesterday uh, you know, in our home, right? Then there's kind of like not just the work and the job, but there's the work beneath the work. Hey, you could even not be working, but it still feels a little draining. For some of you, I know this, this, this is even something to me. You feel like that there's this, this work beneath the work of, man, I need to prove myself, I need to make sure that I do this a good. There's not exactly somebody over me telling me that this has to happen, but I feel it. What if I don't? What if I don't measure up? What will people think or what will happen? In, in uh, the, the movie Rocky, you know, this is Sylvester Stallone. This is way back. So some of you are like, what's Rocky? It's, you know, they're okay. Uh, the first one was good. Then the fourth one, man, when the, or the third one with the Russian, woof, that one's tough. No, that's the fourth one. Uh, but in the first one, Rocky played by Sylvester Stallone. I mean, he's working. He's, he's just grinding super hard. And it's like, why are you doing all this? And he just goes, I just have to prove to myself that I'm not just some bum. Right? And we all kind of feel that this little bit of like, we have to kind of march forward. We have to prove ourselves. There's this Wall Street Journal article that says most, that, that many of us, most of us, will even inflate the number of hours that we work because that makes us feel more significant. That makes us feel uh, that we're more important because we're so in demand. We can be overworked. And when we, when we overwork at a, like at this kind of consistent pace, not, not just like a week here, a week there, but if it just kind of keeps going, that leads to anxiety, that leads to depression. We know it's like, even if I say that, you're like, yeah, it's bad for us. It's bad for me. It's bad for our health. We all feel it. So how do you handle that? You know, if this is this problem that, that you have that all of us feel in our lives, how do you handle it? You know, we're, I think for many of us, it's like we're just thinking about when do we not work? When's that vacation? Man, I'm just so looking forward to when we get, a, get out of here. You know, just like Southwest Airlines, want to get away? And you're just like, yes. I don't even care where we go. Just where's that, that cheap flight? Let's get out of here. We want to get away. But, but here's the thing. Have you ever noticed you take a day off? You go on that four or five six, seven day long day vacation and you get back and you're like, oh, that was great. 
And then two days later, you're just like, uh, when's the next one? I'm, you're already feeling it again. So how, how, what can we do? How do we, how do we actually find some sort of rest? You know, and if we, if we don't really get this notion, uh, this idea of rest right, then our relationship with work will always be off. Our relationship with each other will always be off. Our relationship with God will just always be off. So if you've got a Bible, I just invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. So it's the first book of the Bible. If you're not familiar with it, man, just open it up, the first book. Genesis chapter 2. So in, in chapter 1, God had been creating plants and animals and stars and day and night. He's been cr creating all of these things, the earth and then filling it. And then this is what it says here in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, so they're done, and all, of, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, so God had been creating for six days, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Man, does that feel redundant to you? I even thought I was misreading it for a second. And then God rested from all he'd done. And then God rested from all he'd done. And then God rested from all the creation and the work that he had done. It's just like, man, this feels, you know, it's just very redundant. But here we're going to be looking at, at three purposes of rest. Three purposes of rest. And, and, you know, just like how Timothy Keller, uh, pastor, outlines it. So the first one is to celebrate our design. To celebrate our design. I mean, God rested. I mean, that, I mean, like, let's admit, that sounds a little weird. Hey, God, the one who just created said, let there be light. Poof. And then there's light. Is like, you know what? I'm going to rest now. You know, it's day seven. And, and, and God, it's not like God's tired. It's not like God needs a break. Man, I, I just man, I just need that Southwest Airline. We just need. I want to get away. You know, he do, he doesn't need any of that. But God just says, "Hey, in my sovereignty, even though I don't need it at all, I'm ultimate. You know, ultimate power. I don't get tired. I never need a nap. I never get hangry. I'm just going to rest." And, and, and God, I mean, remember that in Genesis 1, he's working, he's creating, he's doing things, and then he creates man and woman, us, in his image. So th those of us, you know, people in his image, we're in, made in his image. Hey, God works, we work. God rests, we rest. We're made in his image. And here, God delights in his creation, I mean, remember, hey, he makes this, that's good. Hey, he makes dogs, that's good. He makes cats, and then he makes something else, and that's good, right? And he, he's speaking over his work, and then when he, he gets done, man, all of this is good. It's finished. God's satisfied with what he's done. It's very good, and then he rests from it because God's work in creation is, is done. And that, that word there for rest is this Hebrew word called Shabbat. 
And it's where we get Sabbath. And even as we kind of like in our home, we, we're trying to practice this actually. And you know, our kids will try to get out of stuff. They'll be like, hey, it's Shabbat. Well, yeah, but you know, you're still going to brush your teeth. You know, um, it's, it's gross. Um, you know, so God, and this, this word Shabbat or rest, it just means to cease, to stop. Or, or, or even some, some, it's very similar to this word of, of like celebrate. Hey, just stop celebrate. Cease and rest. Why? Because your work's done. And so God, he, he just looks at all that he created and says, hey, I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to enjoy this. And then he blesses the seventh day. He sets it apart. He makes it holy. And there, there's this rhythm of, of, of work and rest. Hey, on six days you shall work, and then on the seventh day you will rest. And this is celebrating our design. I mean, even think, Adam and Eve, what day were they created? Out of the seven. We know it's not the seventh day. I'll give you a hint. It's the one right before it. So they're created on the sixth day. Adam and Eve, hey, now let us make man, let us make people in our image. So they're created on the sixth day. What's the first thing they do? They rest. They don't do anything. I mean, that, that's like a good day. Man, hey, well, hey, I'm here. I'm, you know, and then you rest. So God works, then rests. He rests from his work. People rest or they work from their rest. Do you see that? God had earned their rest because he had done the work. He had did it for them. And then now they come into his work and they rest in it. And they just, they get to just see, God, look, look at what you've done. Look at all these things that you've made. This is great. Ow, mosquito. You know, I mean, still, we're all wondering why those things are around. Okay, but, but they, they, God rests from his work, but they work from their rest. And this just shows us that, that rest, this idea of, hey, Shabbat, stop, cease, celebrate. That this is a gift that God has given us. Hey, I want to give you something good. I want to give you something to enjoy. And this points us forward to, uh, to Exodus 20, which, which Dean read for us. So if you got Exodus 20, it's just one book over. Exodus 20. Verse 8. So I mean, this is already happening in creation right from the beginning. Then the people that get out of the land of Egypt, they're freed. And this is what God says. Remember the Sabbath. Hey, because it's easy to forget. It's going to be easy to forget. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, female servant, your livestock, sojourner. Hey, you can't make other, you can't work and you can't make other people work. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so, so again, there, the, you know, this is part of the Ten Commandments. And, and we like to, I think many times we read the commandments and it's like, well, these are the rules we got to do. All right, let's follow it. Let's follow it. Boo, 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 boo. But really this is, again, as we see from the beginning, this is something that God gives to us as a gift. Hey, I want, oh, there's something I want you to, to enjoy. This isn't so much this rule to follow, but a gift to enjoy. Hey, rest, stop, see, celebrate. 
Rest that, that, that your work is done. Or, or rest that whatever work you have done is done. Right? I get it. Because we're like, well, no, it's not done. I have more to do. Well, hey, just rest in what is done. It's okay. In all of this, you weren't created for a job. You're created for God. Hey, I just want you to celebrate that the point of your life is not what you produce. It's not your, it's not your job. It's not your giftedness. It's not your position. Remember the Sabbath to keep it. Oh, it's a day to the Lord. The point of your lives is, is not any of those things. It's not what the world tells you. It's this relationship that you get to ha- enjoy, that you get to have with God, that we get to rest, we get to worship. Celebrate it. Ce- ce- you know, and we've been saying, hey, that, that even in your work, whatever it is, that, that you get to do it for the Lord, that you get to do it to, to love Him, to worship Him, to enjoy Him, and, and that God works through you. Hey, just take some time. What if, you, what if today you celebrated what God did through you? Not, not as a way to just glorify yourself, not to become proud or anything like that, but just to thank God. God, thank you that you used me to feed our kids by making a mac and cheese. God, thank you that you used me in whatever way it is to just make something, to, to make a sale, to have a conversation with somebody, to work hard. Thank you, God. And just to enjoy with God what he is doing through your life. How different would that feel this time tomorrow when you go to work? Right? And, and, and for us to love God, to love others, we, we can't just keep going. We keep going. We need this time to, to pause, to rest. The lives that, that of just how God is using you to see what he is doing in your life. So we first purpose of work is to celebrate our design. Next one is to celebrate our freedom. To celebrate our feed, freedom. So here in Exodus 20, this is the first kind of issuing of the, the Ten Commandments, but actually this happens again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So it's just a few books later, and, and there's this kind of Ten Commandments again. Here, it's shortly after the, the people get, they're freed from Egypt, you know, the Ten Plagues, crossing of the Red Sea. In Deuteronomy 5, it's about 40 years later right, and with a totally different people group. I mean, it's still the Israelites, but, you know, their parents, all the ones that are disobedient, they're dead. They, you know, they've just kind of aged out. And now it's like, hey, this new group that's going into the promised land. And God gives them this, the, this again. And, and the, here, the, what is the, the motivation here in Exodus 20 is remember that God made all, everything. God, you know, it's pointing back to creation, back to Genesis. In six days, God created it. And on the seventh day, God rested. And it's all the same in Deuteronomy 5, except it's a, there's one part that's different. It doesn't point back to creation. It says, remember that you were slaves. Remember in Egypt, you were slaves. That's the motivation. Hey, you're free. You were slaves, not you are slaves, but you were slaves. And now, stop, rest, celebrate from all that you're doing. Not just because God did something in creation, but hey, do that because you're no longer slaves. You know what doesn't rest? Slaves. You know who doesn't get a day off? Slaves. That's who you were. 
When all you were, I mean, slaves, what's your worth if you're a slave? What you produce, what you do, your work, that's it. But because you're no longer slaves, but because I've delivered you out of the hand of Egypt, I've brought you to myself, I've made you my people, I want you to, to rest. I mean, this is what, in Exodus, this is what Pharaoh says in cha from chapter 5 alone. Why are you taking the people away from their la labor? Get back to your work. You're stopping them from working. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Make them get their own straw. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work, it will not be reduced at all. The slave drivers kept pressing them, the, the, the Israelites, saying, complete the work that is required of you for each day. Lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. I mean, these are just some of the things that Pharaoh says to his people in chap Exodus chapter 5. Again, rest is not an option. A vacation is not an option for a slave. You don't get a day off. You can't say no. I mean, does this feel like the world that we live in sometimes? I guarantee you some of you said, like, have thought, oh, maybe I could take a break. But then this thought goes in your mind, but I can't. I can't say no. I can't not do that. You, you, you feel this, this kind of identity. Hey, I am only what I produce. I am only what I get done. I am only what I make. I am only what my position is. More, more, more. Do, do, do. And then God says, but you're no longer a slave. And some of you are like, yeah, I'm not a slave. This is talking about literal slaves. But if you can't say no, That's kind of a slave, right? Even if you're kind of a self-imposed slave, if all you do is work, 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 produce, 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 kind of a slave. If, if you can't take any time to rest, you're a slave. And, and God, he had brought the, brought the people out of Egypt, but he's trying to make sure that he gets the Egypt out of the people. You aren't slaves, Right? But can you, I mean, for you, can you turn it off? Can you stop trying to please everyone? Can, can you stop trying to prove yourself as, as a business owner, as a parent? You're not a slave to someone else's expectations, to your family's hopes to that mortgage, to that kind of house, to that kind of car, to that kind of lifestyle. You were slaves, God says. But that's not who you are anymore. This is what Pastor John uh, Mark Comer says in, in a book that he wrote. He says this, Sabbath is a line in the sand. No more work. No more stuff. No more. Enough is enough. I do not have to work more. I do not have to buy more. I do not have to sell more. I do not have to move up in the company. 
I do not have anything to prove. I do not have to have a perfect score. I do not need another stamp on my passport. I do not need any other, uh, you know, extra space in my garage. I do not need to be younger or more beautiful or have flatter abs. I do not need to have my kids in ballet or soccer all year long. I don't need to make everybody happy. I don't need to get everything I want. There is no quota. My value doesn't come from what I produce, and my joy and peace doesn't rise with my net worth. I am not a slave anymore. I am free. So we get to celebrate this freedom that we have with God. And if we never rest, that kind of makes us a slave to the way things are, to tone the company line, to, to the culture's expectations. But we get to rest. And I just want to say, you have permission to not have a perfect house. You have permission to things not be picked up. Even if somebody's coming over, it's okay. And I get that. But, but hey, that's going to reflect poorly on me. You have permission to not live up to everybody else's expectations. It's okay. But you have permission to not answer that email, to not look at that text. We're motivated to rest, to, to, to Sabbath, because God freed us. And, and God here is saying, hey, I want you to stop and rest because I want you to stop thinking like a slave and I want you to start thinking like a son or a daughter of God because that's who you are. So we get a, you know, we rest, we Sabbath to celebrate, you know, to celebrate our design, to celebrate our freedom, last purpose of rest, is because Sabbath is an act of trust. We rest in that God will provide. We cease from what we are doing, knowing that God is still at work. We celebrate God's provision. In Exodus 16, God comes to his people, um, <clears throat> and this is before Exodus 20, and commands them to take a Sabbath. But in Exodus 16, this is before that, he says, hey, I, and, and he just gives them this stuff to eat, manna which, I don't know, they say it's like some bread, maybe a little bit of honey or whatever, but they, you know, manna just means what is it, but it's this bread stuff, and he gives them quail. So they go out in the morning, and there's this stuff on the ground, food, pow, hey, here's manna and quail. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like, man, and I went out this morning, there's just tacos all in my yard. I'd be like, <laughs> Father, you're so good. Oh my gosh. And, and so six days, they, they, they go out, they collect it, and he says, hey, on the sixth day, I want you to get extra. Because on the seventh day, I want you to rest. So I'm going to give you extra on the sixth day, so on the seventh day, you don't have to go collect it. But you need to trust me. And so there's this idea that, hey, even if I'm going to do less, because, hey, let's admit, taking a day, that notion of, hey, why don't you just take a day to rest? Some of you are like, oh, yes, this is amazing. But for some of you, this is like, this is hard. Because if I rest, somebody else is not resting. Hey, there's always something more to do. What's going to happen? And God is just saying, hey, I want you to trust me that if, if you obey me in what I command to do less in seven days and just do it in six days, then I'm going to make up the difference. That I'm going to provide whatever you need <clears throat> for the rest of it. Because when we typically think about our provision and, and our money and getting what we need, that our typical experience with that is I work, I do, and I get. 
right? If I do something, then I get what is I need to be provided for me. And we think that always providing for ourselves is our complete and full responsibility to bear. But that isn't true. God bears that responsibility. Yes, we, we work, and it's not like we just sit on our duff all day, but, but God is saying, hey, ultimately, you're mine. Trust me that I will provide for you in that. I mean, in Exodus 20, just a few chapters later after Exodus 16, when he says, hey, go collect it, you know, it points back to creation. Hey, God, take a Sabbath, take a day to rest, to stop, to celebrate, to cease from your working. I'm the God who created the heavens and the earth. Here's the flip side of it when God says, I created the heavens and the earth. You didn't. Right? I mean, you didn't create the heavens and the earth. The earth will keep going around. It'll keep spinning without your effort. We tend to think that we're really more important than we, when, than we are. It's all up to me. It all, it's all around me. But hey, you didn't create the world. Hey, everything doesn't revolve around you. You have limitations. And Sabbath is this time where we get to celebrate those limitations. You're not good at everything. That's okay. You're not in charge of everything. That's okay. That's actually a good thing. You don't make everything happen. You don't make everything work out. You're not the main worker. And we get to just trust in God. Hey, you'll provide. Yes, I, I work and I do these things, but I can rest be with you, celebrate what you're doing, what you've done, because ultimately, you're, not everything depends on me, not everything depends on the number of customers that I have. Even in Matthew 6, Jesus says, man, don't be anxious about anything. Hey, you're, you're worried about, about where are we going to live? What about our clothes? What are we going to eat? What about this? What about this? Hey, look at the birds of the air. Don't I provide for them? Are you not more valuable than they? If I do that for them, won't I provide for you? So we get to just celebrate, you know, this, this, this purpose of rest, celebrate our design, that, that we, we've been given this gift. We get to celebrate our freedom that, hey, my identity of who I am is not in what I produce, but that we're sons, we're daughters of God, and we get to trust that God will provide that, that we're not in control, that ultimately He, he is. And so that's just kind of the purpose of, of Sabbath, purpose of rest, to take this day, to take this block of time to rest. But again, let's say you do that. Let's say that today you're like, all right, Ricky, this is great. Um, this is fun. I'm going to just rest. I'm going to stop and rest. I'm going to celebrate this. And I'm going to just start implementing this into my life weekly. Uh, or, or you go on that vacation. And, 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 you know, you just start to like slow down. Hey, I'm going to rest. I'm going to chill. And then what's going to happen though? You get back from that vacation. You get back from the day, back to the grindstone. You're still not really rested. You still are feeling just overwhelmed, stressed out, all of those things. I mean, it could be, you know, it's kind of like sleep. Would it be great for you to go to, to sleep eight hours a day, but to have it in one hour increments? Right? You'd be like, no, that's not going to work. Even though it's the same amount of time, why wouldn't it work? Because we know, hey, wait a minute. It's not, it's not just the amount of sleep. It's the kind of sleep. You, 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 we, we all need that deep sleep, that REM sleep. 
And that only happens when we get kind of this, this bigger amount of sleep to go through that we could get this, that really re restores our body. And the same is true, not just for sleep, but the same is true for rest. It's not just like, hey, take a little bit of break. Hey, watch some Netflix, watch some games today and chill and you'll be great. And then just do the, the same thing again next week. We have to go to not just, hey, stopping, but actually stopping for a rest, but also the, the source of our rest. And this is what Hebrews 4, 9, and 10 says for our source of rest. It goes, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God, God's rest also. So it's, it's like if you enter God's rest, you also rest from their works. So, so it's talking about something else, something deeper than just resting from your work. It's like, no, if you enter God's rest, you also get that. Just as God did from his. So it's talking about this deeper rest than just resting from our work. This is what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says that he will give us rest for our souls. So the, the source of our rest is not taking a break. The source of our rest is not Netflix. Right? The source of our rest is Jesus. It, it's not a vacation. Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I'm over it. I'm bigger than it. It's bigger than this day. It's bigger than, than just, you know, taking a break doing something that feeds you know, feed your soul that you enjoy. It's me. Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, just like Dakota said, and I will give you rest for your souls. Not, hey, if you're oh, you know, he burdened and heavy laden, just take a break. But come to me. We need the source of our of the rest is, is, is Jesus. And there's two ways that Jesus is, is the source of that. It's just in our righteousness and our identity. In, in Genesis 2, God rested. Again, why? I mean, he wasn't tired. He didn't need a break. He rested in Genesis because his work in creation was done. It was finished. And he said that his work was good. He was satisfied with his work. It was good. And, and the only way for you to truly rest, only way for you to truly rest is to know that God is satisfied with you. To know that when, that, that when he, that he's pleased with you. To know that when he looks at you, he says, that's good. That's good. And this is what I know some, some of you, even when I say that, the, the notion that God is, is actually pleased with you, you're thinking, but you don't really know what I've done. You don't know the kind of week I've had. You don't know what I've done in my past. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. So God made him, made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin. Not, not, not just take the penalty of it, but to be sin for us, for you, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what happened there is like Jesus was credited with your sin, with my sin. He became sin for us. 
And so your junk, your bad decisions, your sinfulness, your pride, your gossip, all of those things was credited to Jesus. But then his righteousness, his perfect standing with the Father, his complete obedience every single day, him healing multiple people, him feeding 5,000 people, all of these acts of Jesus was credited to you. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is called the great exchange. Man, our sin goes to him. His righteousness is credited to us. And that's why the Father, if you've trusted in Jesus, that's why God the Father can look at you and be like, that's good. Not because of your work. Not because, because of anything that you've done, but because of what Christ has done. And just like any of that, like, when, when Jesus cries out from the cross, it is finished. So you, if you've trusted in Christ, you have permanent right standing with God. It is finished. And you can rest in that work of just knowing, hey, it's done. It's done in full. It's paid in full. It's complete. I don't need to work for it. I don't need to, you know, chip in to, to get this acceptance with God. It is completely done, and I could rest in what Jesus has done for me, not what I can contribute to him. And we, we were credited with the righteousness of God, with the righteousness of Christ, and, and he, he's dying the death that you should have. In, in him, he's experiencing this separation, this anguish, this restlessness because of all that, because of him becoming sin. He's experiencing this re restlessness so that we can get the ultimate rest. Adam and Eve, why on the first, like why on day seven, the first day that they're coming into it, why can they rest? Because it's done, it's finished. God had done it, and you can rest because you just know that you being made right with God, it's done, it's paid for, it's totally complete because of Christ. You don't have to prove yourself. Right? Isn't, isn't that great? I mean, if you think of who in the history of the world, who's the one person that you maybe should have to prove yourself to? Right? I think it would be God. He's kind of big. Right? Hey, I don't need to prove myself to, to my neighbor or to that other parent or to my boss, but God, maybe I have something to prove because he's God. But because of Jesus, no, you have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove because Jesus has done it for you. And, and the, God the Father speaks this over you. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love and am well pleased not because of your awesome week. Not because you just made some kick-butt decisions. It's because Jesus has earned that completely for you. Even the Spirit of God testifies to our spirit by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So we rest in our identity. In Christ, we're no longer laboring for one, but we're resting in one. You're a child of God. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, you, you can't have the ultimate rest without Christ. You can't know God without Christ. You, you can't be made right with God without Christ. And, and I just want to emphasize, you can't do anything to help yourself get there. 
You can't do anything to help yourself get right with God. Like, oh, but I've been going to church a long time. No. Hey, but I, I prayed a prayer a long, long time ago. And doesn't that make me right with God? Jesus makes you right with God. Hey, I was baptized when I was a kid. Hey, that's great. And I'm sure your parents like were super well-intended. It's not baptism. It's Jesus. Jesus makes you right with God. And so if you, if you don't know Christ, I just encourage you, man, trust in him, in his work for you. He is the source of our rest. He's the only way that we can ever have rest is, is through Jesus. And so, you know, we've, we've looked at the purpose of rest. We've looked at the source of rest. I just want to give you just some practical steps on how to rest to wrap it up. So, I mean, if you didn't kind of get it, take a day-ish. And when I say day-ish, because some of you are, are rural people. And you're awesome and you help people like me have less fun, but also be organized. So thank you. <laughs> right? Because you're like wondering, hey, you know, is the, is the Sabbath, you know, like they said in the Old Testament, what about now? What about, you know, do, because, hey, I don't know if they repeat it in the New Testament. No. You know, hey, okay. Uh, so I say, say a day-ish. Hey, take, take a day-ish. Take a block of time to just be like, hey, I'm going to turn it off. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to enjoy. I'm just going to rest and I'm going to worship. I'm just going to rest and, and, and worship in that. You know, it's, it's, it's no longer, you know, the, the, this, this law that you have to obey. But I think that there is still a principle of it that, that's very good, that's very life-giving. Again, it's this gift that God has given to you. And I think one thing that we need to hear is, you know, when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, he goes, hey, the Sabbath was made for man. Right? You know, this, this is a gift for him. And so just enjoy that. Don't get legalistic about it like the Pharisees did. I mean, also, I mean, I've seen people do this where, where, where they feel so strung out and then their lives, they swing the pendulum the other way and it just all becomes about soul care and just all about themselves. And, and then it's just like, then they become really legalistic about that. Like, you're not the point in it, right? It's Jesus, God, he's the point. But hey, take some time, you know, just, just to rest to have some, do some things that restore your soul, to have some relationships. So take some time. Second thing, get in the Word. Yep, I said it. That sounds churchy. Get in the Bible. But Netflix, your phone, is not the source of rest. If it's not, then you ultimately won't get rest from it. I mean, that's just kind of like easy, right? Jesus is the source of rest. God is the source of rest. And for any of us, we need, man, God, I need to know who you are. God, show me more of your grace, more of your love. God, I need to hear your words penetrate my heart and for this to continue to soak into me over, and I'm just going to trust that you're going to do that even when I don't understand it. So don't wait to the end of the week to suddenly have a pastor tell you what the Word of God means. Okay, Rest is not just something that you do one time a week. It's something that you do daily because we're going to Jesus to know him. So get in the word frequently. Even, you know what? And I get it. If we're busy, typically the first thing to go is this. Man, I just don't have time. Right? Hey, how have you been doing to get in the word? Not to be like legalistic or make sure you're fitting in this box. But hey, I just want to know how you're connecting with Jesus. I've been busy. Poop. This is, this is gone. Right? But we still have time for Netflix. We still have time for Instagram. All of those things. And I just say, hey, I get it. I, I mean, I, I wrestle with those things too. But ultimately, they're not going to give you the rest that you need. So, man, get in the word. Connect with Jesus. 
Even if it's just a verse or two for you just to, to let it just wash over you to think about. Spend some time in prayer. Third thing, unplug. Have a practice of turning off your phone. Have a practice of getting off those apps. It's probably nothing new for me to say this to you, but we live in this society where we're addicted to our phones. And, and I wrestle with that. There's sometimes like I'll hop on Facebook and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm on here. There's nothing good on here. And I'm just scrolling. And it's like, and then, oh yeah, that was dumb. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, hey, boink. Uh, yeah, it's still stupid. <laughs> right? You, you, you don't need to know who went to the pumpkin patch. Right? You, you, you don't need to know what somebody's thoughts are about a political candidate. People don't need your opinions either. Right? You're probably not changing them. Even if you're right, even if they're good, you know, it's just like, eh, you're probably set. Right? You don't need that stuff. So just have this practice weekly of just like, it's over there. Hey, daily, nope. And just be present. Just be present in the moment with God, with your family, because that it creates anxiety. I mean, how many of you would be like, I'm, I'm actually a better person because of Facebook? Huh. I, I feel just like it restores my soul, right? That's none of you, right? There's, right, I would encourage you. I know this is going to be hard. What if you just tried it for a week? Just for one week, and I'd, maybe start right now. I give you permission to get out your phone. You've already looked at it a bunch of times. And just delete that, that social media app that you're going to all the time. And I know some of you are like, I ain't going to do that. And I get it. Right? I, I, I get it. I wrestle with these things too. But hey, for a week, you're not missing anything. Do you think that it would help you? To help you rest? To help you, hey, I know I'm busy, but hey, I deleted it so that I can just even take five minutes to look at God's word. To pray. So I'd encourage you, hey, just unplug. Um, last thing is just, just prepare. For those of you with kids, this is hard. I, I, I'm, our family does not do this perfectly, and also I, I, I kind of stink at this in general, all of this sermon, so sorry. <laughs> I feel like, I want a perfect example. I, um, but prepare. So we make, you know, we, we're trying to, to do this as a family, so we make our kids do more chores. We do, we do kind of this, this day-ish time with our kids, but it's just like, all right, hey, I am going to try to punch out more the day or two before so that, you know what, you just don't have to. Don't have to that day. And, and so prepare that. Do this with your kids. So today, you know, just, just my prayer for myself, my prayer for you is this, that we would just hear and listen to the invitation that the Father has for us. I mean, look at the gift, and Jesus is just telling you, hey, please come to me. I will restore your soul. Hey, just stop, rest, celebrate, so that you can just enjoy what I'm doing, enjoy the things in your life, and just come to me so that I could give you rest for your soul. So may we just listen to the invitation that God has for us to just come to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that you are the source of our rest, Lord, that we can, we can get rest in you. God, that we can know you. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would help us 
Help us be okay turning those things off, turning off the text, turning off the emails, turning off just this, th this desire to feel like we have to prove ourselves and that everything is, is just hanging on us, Lord, to just come to you, God, to know you, to rest in you, God. Because ultimately, Lord, we have the greatest rest that we could ever have is knowing that it is finished. Everything that we need to be made right with God has been done for us in Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.